Welcome to Booz Allen Hamilton's Unstoppable Together podcast, a series of stories that unite us and empower each of us to change the world. I'm Jenny Brooks with Booz Allen Hamilton, and I'm passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Please join me in conversation with a diverse group of thought leaders to explore what makes them and all of us unstoppable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstoppable Together podcast. I'm Jenny Brooks, and today I'm excited to speak with Elizabeth Dowker, Booz Allen staff technologist, to talk about her lifelong journey with a stutter. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jenny. We're really grateful to be able to speak with you today. Can you first start by sharing a little bit about your journey and your experiences as someone with a stutter? Absolutely. So like most people, my stutter started in childhood. I used intermittent speech pathology throughout my childhood and early teens to mitigate some of those kind of chronic elements. Part of speech therapy can include multiple parts. That's just getting more comfortable with speaking in front of people, working through different kinds of stuttering blocks, and then making sure that you feel comfortable to navigate the world knowing that you have a stutter. That's been hugely helpful throughout my life and is usually leveraged by people with stutters. So it's you only need it every once in a while. And there's three kinds of stutters that I've heard of. There is repetitions, prolongations, and blocks, and they are just as as they sound. I mainly have blocks and repetitions. And interestingly enough, one of the hardest parts of having a stutter has been introducing myself. So for a very long time, the uh in Elizabeth was really kind of a sticking point where I'd be so excited to meet someone, but I'd also be a little nervous. That nervousness kind of bundled together with my stutter, making it even more difficult for me to for me to introduce myself. So slowly over time, I've been able to work through some of the anxiety um, and some of the fluidity issues to be able to more confidently and easily introduce myself. That doesn't mean that my stutter has gone away. It just means that it's been easier and more comfortable to navigate the world with a stutter. And I think it's much more except, uh, much more easy to be an adult with a stutter than it is to be a child. As a child, you don't know the many kinds of ways that we can exist in the world. As an adult, you can recognize that there's kind of natural diversity. So we can get more into it later. But yeah, it's just how long, how old were you when in childhood, when it first started manifesting? And do you remember sort of the experience of feeling uncomfortable, feeling anxious? Or Mm -hmm. what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. So I've never known language without having a stutter. And the interesting thing is that stuttering is a spectrum. So you can have it can you can only be stuck on a certain on certain words. You you can have you know repetitions, prolongations, and blocks, or just one kind. And so to use an example of one of one element or like one memory that I've had in grade school, we would have to read out loud. This is a common practice across classrooms in the United States. But for someone with a stutter, I found that very nerve wracking because yes. I kind of try to practice my sentence beforehand, try to guess what I was going to say, try to try to get ready to try to be as fluid as possible. But no matter, even with all the tools in my tool basket, it didn't take away from actually having a stutter. And so I remember one instance where I was just trying to get through a sentence and my classmates trying to be helpful were kind of trying to offer the word, but that wasn't necessarily what I needed. I just needed a little more time. I think there was, there are anxieties often paired with having a stutter, especially as a child, at least for me, uh, because it's, trying to fit in, also knowing that you kind of can't. I think that's a really good example because my next question was going to be for you. So how do you prefer to talk about having a stutter with people? Because I think that 
your classmates reaction is sort of a natural one for someone's like trying to help. Yeah, absolutely. Help us help us better understand how you'd like us to think about this. Yes, absolutely. So a stutter can be a disability for some people based on the severity of it. But for people who don't have a disability or who it's not disabling their speech, I think it's it's important to think about a disability as just part of a natural landscape of language fluency. I mean, one in 10 American adults have a stutter. So you probably know someone who has a stutter or you've encountered that. And I think that one of the main things that we can think about when um, having a stutter is just kind of create, trying to create space for people who have stutters or or who don't, who aren't as fluid in, in their speech patterns. Not necessarily trying to craft a really stutter. I think the, the most stuttering friendly environment you can have is one that's gracious and accepting and that people aren't focusing on the stutter. And from interacting with other people with stutters, that's kind of the main thing. They just want to be heard and acknowledged without having the emphasis either placed on their stutter or without the very friendly intention of people trying to kind of co-opt their speech and trying to assist them. Because it's not that people who have a stutter can't say that. It's just that it it's just more of a difficulty for them to easily say that. So that's one way. So for some people, it's a non-visible disability. And for other people, it's just kind of part of their day-to-day operations. And it strikes me that, you know, as we're talking, I might never know, to your point. And so can you help us think about how do you navigate the conversation in the workplace? Or how should we all look at this? And how do you navigate that conversation in the workplace? That's great. Interestingly enough, I've never had that conversation in the workplace. I have a great team. We're about to have it now. I know. (laughs) You're accepting where I am. I've never felt the need to disclose it. I only disclose it under really kind of odd circumstances. Either I'm I'm exhausted, I'm really stressed, and I'm just I just can't get the words out. And so I'll say to someone, hey, you know, I have a stutter, this is just part of my my modus like, Right. Oh yeah, that's not a problem to me. Like I was just tracking with what what you were saying. Other times I'll tell friends as like a point of connection, like, oh, I have a stutter. This is something you should know about me. And then oftentimes, because I have a covert stutter, one that can't really be noticed, and then only comes out when it kind of flares up, friends will say, I never knew that about you, or I had no idea that, that you have had a stutter. So it's really interesting. I experience them for what other people experience. The person who stutters is the most worried about them having a stutter, which is really interesting. But I think in my attempt to create a community at Booz Allen and connect with other people who have who are verbally diverse, I think one of the biggest things is kind of being able to find like spaces of, of community. And so I've been really grateful for the support of the Global Disabilities BRG. I love what you said about yeah, often it's the person who's more worried about it than everyone else. Like everyone else is like, what are they just moving on, not even thinking about it? But we're always so worried about, you know, sort of our own sort of self-reflections and those anxieties. You mentioned people trying to help co-opt the speech. What common mistakes have you observed that would be helpful for us to know to avoid? So some of the common mistakes that I've heard and then have been noted by by other like prominent um, stuttering podcasters is that people will either try to guess what someone's trying to say. Like you start a sentence and you want to say sandwich, but they guess I don't know, hamburger or something where you're like, 
yeah, thanks for helping me out. But like, I was going to get there anyway. And then it's, it's just kind of bad form. And I think most conversations we don't really, I don't think it's a general principle that people like being interrupted. Right. Likewise, even if it's, if it's intended very helpfully, it still doesn't affirm that person's ability to actually finish the sentence themselves or to move through that moment of stuttering. I think one of the, some of the unconscious biases that I've heard out, heard about is that uh, people who stutter aren't prepared for meetings, presentations, or client-facing work. And this isn't the case. I think that by incorporating an understanding that verbally diverse people exist in the workplace and can and are excellent, that the focus should be more on actually the quality of the work rather than the fluidity, the fluidity with which they're able to present it. And I think that being able for them to opt in or out of meetings or presenting at meetings without taking away that opportunity is a way that we that staff and managers could both affirm someone a verbally diverse person's presence within in the workspace and their opportunity to contribute without taking away any opportunities inadvertently. We shouldn't assume that just because someone has a stutter or someone is dyslexic or someone has an, another disability that they can't be the one giving the presentation or reading from the teleprompter or whatever the case might be to have a conversation around opting in or opting out, if you will. Absolutely. Okay. You mentioned the speech therapy earlier on in your childhood. Yeah. Is that something that's ongoing work that you continue to do or are there strategies that then you employ throughout your daily life as needed? So some of the skills I've gained through speech therapy are actually some of the things I leverage when I present at conferences. So it's made me a really good public speaker, which I think is really interesting considering the fact that I'm sometimes so terrified to have a casual conversation with someone. It's things like breath work, making sure you take a breath before you start a sentence, giving yourself enough air and time acknowledging that disfluencies happen, not trying to put too much pressure on yourself. And, you know, so making sure that you can craft a presentation, a speech as as well as you can, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be perfect in order for it to be very good. And also kind of working through the problem spots. So recognizing or kind of taking away some of the fear that, you know, saying my name used to have. So now I can I'm just calling the doctor all the time saying, hey, my name is Elizabeth Dalgert. Before, I would do anything to avoid that. And But yes, speech therapy is something that I've leveraged throughout my life. And usually, um, like many other types of therapies, it is as needed. So you can do it for long stretches of time, like two, three months. You focus on a couple of skill sets that you need. And at that developmental stage, that's very helpful for children and, and preteens. I've also pursued it in my adult life just to kind of hone my edge. There, there are professionals um, who support individuals with stutters specifically for workplace situations. So mm-hmm. that's been super interesting to get to know and work with people who are really engaged in that space or consider opportunities to do so. I'm curious about two things. One is what advice might you have for parents who are listening, who's, you know, maybe they have a, a young child that they're identifying who has a stutter. And if there's anything notable from your own experience, from a parent's perspective, we do have people who listen to the podcast to, you know, come to us with questions, not necessarily about themselves, but about their children. And then secondarily, for anyone who's, you know, a manager or a colleague of someone who has a stutter, what advice or guidance would you give them to just keep in mind? 
So if you're noticing disfluencies in your child, I've only been on the reciprocating end of this or the receiving end. But I think you can have an assessment with a speech pathologist who specializes in child speech pathology to assess where your child is and if if developmentally they need that support. And then with early intervention, you can really knock out a lot of stutters. That's why I think like 80% of stutters, stuttering people in the world are children. It's like it can actually kind of naturally go away Mm -hmm. um, as someone developmentally matures. There's no root cause of stuttering. Scientists are still trying to figure this out. It's probably a a neurological thing, but... Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's it's really interesting to like look into some of the research. They don't, they don't know. There's just kind of, but there are a couple of threads where it's, it's a little bit of nature. It's a little bit of nurture Mm -hmm. um, where, but I think definitely like an emphasis on getting that support early, just like with many other things for children, like can really make a long, long long-term impact. And then they grow out of it. Generally, I've seen that most health insurance providers do offer some or all support for uh, speech-language pathology for children and possibly for adults. So that's been really encouraging to see. And then what advice would you have for someone who's a manager of a colleague with, of someone who has a stutter? Yeah, I would say let them bring it up. Don't try to bring it up first. I'm very, I'm very grateful that all of my leadership has never said, you have a stutter. What's going on with that? Right. Um, They've just allowed me to perform well and supported me in any way that I've needed it. And I think that that's kind of having a two-way street and a space of respect allows for a colleague to come to a manager with concerns of saying, hey, I'm really concerned about this, this, my performance, you know, are you concerned about my fluidity? And a manager to say, no, you know, that's not something I'm worried about. Or, hey, like, have you connected with this community to offer you just any kind of support that you need? I think As I've mentioned before, just kind of giving space in meetings for people with disfluencies, um, whether that's virtual or in-person, and not judging someone's performance strictly off of their fluidity, something that's helpful. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like sort of like super concerning acute in terms of disruption, like this is like very low on the scale of your daily life. Yeah. I mean, how much are you really concerned about this in terms of your day-to-day life? Yeah. So when I joined Booz Ellen and I was brand new, fresh out of college, it was probably more of a six or a seven. I was really concerned with kind of establishing myself well, forming new connections, tons of coffee chats, things like that, really like trying to develop a network. So it was a heavy time of introductions and in front of leadership a little bit more than I was if I was you know, more of a, an employee with like kind of a, a more developed career like I am. So now it's like a two. I never worry about it. But I also, again, kind of have a covered stutter. If I, if I was stuttering more frequently, then I think it'd be a higher concern. But just like with other unseen disabilities, it's, it can kind of flare. So, and that's when it becomes more of a concern. So. Right. And yeah. just to punctuate, when you arrived at Buzan in this new setting, new team, new company. Yeah. For you, it manifested in the point of like having to introduce yourself. Exactly. Which sounds like it happens for many people that way. It's sort of that moment of the introduction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the concern about being perceived well, while knowing that, you know, you kind of have this hidden thing that may or may not come out that could negatively and has routinely been seen in a negative way. I'm glad there's been a lot of like, I mean, there's a lot of like language of victory over stutter, like, you know, the King's speech, like, oh, he overcame his stutter, like, oh, this is great. Or like, 
or a space of mocking, like Porky Pig stutters, and isn't that so funny? But it's never a space of like affirmation of like, oh, they stutter, and like they've been giving tools to do well, and so and we're going to give them space to stutter, and we're going to be okay with them stuttering, and that's a natural thing. You know, it's kind of like perfect. At least in what I've seen in the representation in media, it's kind of like perfect or nothing. So that's very insightful. Yes. Elizabeth, at the end of every podcast, we give our guests some free space to share their final thoughts with our audience. What would you like to share with us listening today? I think some key takeaways that I'd like to share is that you probably know someone with a stutter, whether it's covert or over. So it's not something that that you may not, like you will see and interact with someone with a stutter throughout your lifetime. I would recommend definitely avoid commenting on or trying to complete what someone with a stutter is saying. They're going to get through it. They just need a little bit more time. I would, yeah, and so that's kind of the main way of, of offering support, especially if they don't disclose or stutter to you. And then one thing that I've just been reflecting on is that we can foster collective and ingenuity and creativity when we include grace and flexibility in how we support others. I love that. Thank you, Elizabeth. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Visit careers.boozallen.com to learn how you can be unstoppable with Booz Allen. Be the future. Work with us. The world can't wait.